This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yesterday, we ranked the top 24 rookies for your Dynasty Draft. Today, four more names that just missed that list, plus a number of prospects that, I don't know, Hayden, would we deem them sleepers, long shots, flyers? In this draft, awful. Just awful. <laughs> but you're here, though. You, we have to, everyone has to still take their Dynasty picks. Just because right. it's bad class doesn't mean that these guys aren't important. Yeah, and... Obviously, if you tune into the tier list for the top 24 rookies, that was with an eye on Superflex and tight end premium. Uh, because of that, some of these names drop down a little bit. There's also three rounds in your rookie drafts, sometimes four rounds. So we know you're searching for who to spend those later picks on. I think, again, we're going to try to thread the needle between looking at the tape, focusing in on traits, looking at production, looking at draft capital and also where these players fit in the short term and the long term. It's always fun to have these conversations about these players and about these rookies, because again, we talked about it for months and then now it's like we have all the information, at least we think we do until week one. And then it can kind of all change in week one compared to year two, even. Yeah. We have to decide what's actually important. The answer is everything's important just to different degrees and also training camp and stuff. And we will be here grinding the news and yes. all that fun stuff as well. So stick with us. So I, I have some press conference clips to bring up from the head coach and general manager quotes as well. And let's kick it off with those four names that people are in the comments of the tier list asking for. Let's go with Tajay Spears, who was the fifth running back drafted Hayden, uh, the 81st pick overall in the third round. He's such an exciting and electric player. When you watched him creating big plays, um, However, I feel like that excitement was instantly quelled because of Ian Rappaport's report that he does not have an ACL in one of his knees. So again, while the draft capital is there of the fifth running back drafted and also in the third round, I feel like that's immediately having the rug pulled out from underneath him because people don't think they have the longevity for him to last on their dynasty teams. That's why he's my running back eight here. He's going to play for the next couple of years. That's what the expectation is. There's players, I think like Jay Ajayi had a similar issue yep. where he had one or two decent years, but then like everything kind of falls apart very quickly. I think that's what's going to happen with Ty J Spears. I will say though, the Titans seem like to think that's not as big of a deal, um, but maybe that the Titans are just wrong. They they've taken some risk in the past. He was very fun on tape. He has pretty good contact balance, I would say. He can break some tackles for somebody that's a little bit smaller. He didn't test very well at the combine, though. According to my my model, uh, 6th percentile adjusted spark athlete because he has 15th percentile weight, the 12th percentile three-cone drill. Maybe that's knee-related. I'm not sure. The big thing is Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, they are both trade candidates this year. It sounds like it's not actually going to happen, reading between the leaves, but maybe something happens to Derrick Henry. And then next year, what's this offense going to look like? The offensive line is still really bad. They might be starting Will Levis, who we didn't like. This thing, even if he is a starter next year, he could be in a little committee role. And I don't think the Titans are going to project well for the next like three, four years. 
Let's hear from new general manager Rand Carthon on the Tajay Spear selection. Runner, you know, he can run between the tackles. Uh, he's elusive. He can make guys miss um, as well as contribute in the passing game. You know, he catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's a good route runner. Uh, just another, um, you know, guy that can do it all, you know, for us. And you can put him in the game in any situation. Um, so that actually goes extended and he makes like this um, speech on how this is the greatest moment for these players and not to take that away from them. I think I that was in it. direct relation to about three questions he had before answering that one about the longevity of Tajay Spears' career. Okay, counterpoint, because I, I totally understand that. And you even pointed it out in our profile of Tajay Spears that he dealt with these ACLs you know, prior to his awesome final season yep. at Tulane. Um, again, counterpoint. You and I believe that this is the last year of Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, you know? Mm -hmm. So, in my seat, a mid-second round selection in dynasty circles is like a totally fine and warranted pick for a guy who, if at worst, he finishes as a three-down player on the Tennessee Titans in year two, in year three, and year four of his rookie deal because those just like don't come around very often for a player, again, who is electric. 1,052 yards after contact last year, 4.55 per run. That was fifth best in college football. 63 forced missed tackles, 20th best in college football. 21 carries of 15 plus yards, 10th best in college football last year. So I think so often we try to be general managers. We, we try to build this team that can win for seven to 10 years. A lot of these guys that you're spending rookie draft picks on right now aren't going to make it to year four. And maybe Tajay Spears can't, but the Titans seemingly at least believe he can fulfill that rookie contract and make a, quote, three down ability work right. on their team. And so I think like the value on him and at least where you have him is probably a bit undervalued. I believe. Five, nine, 201 pounds, though. There's not many three down. Guys. Like they said, they called him that. But I mean, we listen to all these press conferences and they yep. all say that these are three down guys. We're going to use them in the slot and all that stuff. And we always say it's not going to actually happen. I'm looking at just the precedent of like five, nine. 201 pound backs and it's just not there so um i think that he's gonna have some productive years but i would not be surprised if we're having this this show and remember Rand carthon what where did he come from san francisco I, last time i checked they are rug pulling third round picks at running back every single year so next year they'll they'll be a third rounder that doesn't have both his, his acls and all of a sudden we're back where we are yeah and obviously you can take a running back in the third round every single year. Like you're saying that the 49ers have in their past. However, the 49ers also made an incredible investment about a decade ago. in Frank Gore of someone who also mm -hmm. had a bunch of ligament issues and other injuries during his time, uh, not saying every injured player is Frank Gore, but um, I am pulling for Tajay Spears because yes. again, just his style and his lack of wasted movement for someone who creates these explosive plays mm -hmm. is so much fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's even going to be a counter to Derrick Henry, but man, this team searched for something last year. And remember, it was the Darrington Evans fiasco. It was the Hassan Haskins selection. Dontrell Hilliard's just a satellite back. Mm -hmm. Like Spears can easily come in as a rookie and be that secondary option. I, I would expect him to be the secondary option. I'm also pulling for him because he did un thinkable things to my usc trojans uh, he better at least be good if he's mid and he still did it to my, to my trojans i'll be sad okay again tajay spears is going towards like the back half of round two in dynasty drafts the next name is Jaden reed uh who was the 50th overall selection the sixth wide receiver selected just missed your top 24 talk to me about how you view his game right now and in the future 
I have not watched him. I'm not going to pretend that I've watched him, have not watched him. Here's what my model was saying. He's a 23-year-old non-early declared. Don't necessarily love that. Because of that, he only had 7th percentile adjusted production. He had 31st percentile PPR points per game. I know his offense in college was horrific. But at the same time, it sounds like he might be a slot-only guy, only 19th percentile size here. So my worry with with Jaden Reed would be if he's small and kind of a middling prospect in general, despite that draft capital, if you're a slot-only player undersized and that offense, we don't know what it's going to be like for the next couple of years because of quarterback play, I'm just a little bit down on him. So I think he's one of these guys that he will be in rankings, top 50, top 60, and like I guess that's fine, but is there a path for him to be a top 20 receiver? I'm not sure. I haven't watched his tape, but the model would suggest not. Here's Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst talking about Jane Reed. Reed's best spot will be in the slot, and did, did you have him graded among or maybe even the best return man in the draft? Uh, yes and yes. Um, I think I do think he's he's very good in the slot. I do think because of his speed, he'll be able to play outside as well. Um, he certainly did for uh, for Michigan State. Um, and then obviously he's a very good returner. Um, you know I think those guys that can return like that obviously would, you know what they can do with the ball in their hands translate to what they do you know with rack and, and things like that. So um, it's another option for us obviously, um, which is very important. So you know to have multiple guys that can go back there and catch punts. So we talked about it yesterday with Luke Musgrave. I mean, the Packers are just surrounding Jordan Love with a bunch of young pass catchers. Obviously, last year, it's Christian Watson. It's Romeo Dobbs. It's also Samori Torre. Um, now, at tight end, it's Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, both second and third round picks. And then, obviously, here, Jane Reed with the 50th overall selection. That is needed over the middle of the field. Like, they have done some self-scouting, self-evaluations, because Randall Cobb, 209 slot snaps last year. Alan Lazard, 195. Robert Tunyon, 151. They have no one to fulfill that. So maybe there's a scenario where it's like a Dr. Frankensteining working the middle of the field, because I think you and I can say maybe at their best, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are almost vertical players. Um, now you can also get the ball in Christian Watson's hands in a number of different ways, but I think they're kind of craving, not a traditional slot player, but someone that can make their home most of the time there. That was not Jane Reed at Michigan state. He only played about a quarter or a fifth of a snaps in the slot. But at least to me, when I watched him, it was almost like a cheaper version of Jahan Dotson a little bit. But then again, the other question on top of that is, well, what's the ceiling in an offense that's probably not going to throw as often as they have in the past. So they're number three pass catcher. And this is one of like the guys that would be classic. Like my model is missing something where he just like couldn't get out of Michigan State and whatever went wrong there. But I know like Matt Harmon, for example, is a fan of Jaden Reed. He goes in the second round. That's better than what we thought. So yeah. there could be something where just my model is just completely missing this and there can be some contextual things. So I plan on doing a deep dive on Jaden Reed. I am with you, though. There are snaps and targets oh, yeah. for the taking in this offense. Uh, I love Christian Watson's Dean, but he might be like, like kind of like, hybrid role player alpha like he's not like hitting a backside dig and doing all that stuff but he can take this thing to the house he can go deep all that stuff they do need kind of a more reliable guy maybe Jaden reed could be like is he gonna be like deontay johnson undersized outside a little bit in the slot kind of can do a little bit of everything but a little bit frustrating i'm kind of trying to figure out what he's like i mean they've added even two other rookies to this wide receiver room and dotavian wicks and grant dubose as well coming out of unc charlotte Again, I think they're throwing a lot out there with a bunch of young names and hoping one of them 
does emerge. I guess my point is when you're the sixth wide receiver taken, when so many people attribute draft capital to something that is so important and that means like this is their future, he's now being selected after Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, and Marvin Mims. And it can be difficult, as we discussed, to find Dynasty rookie draft ADP, but he's like at 302 at the thing I'm looking at right now. Um, and that's where I have pretty him. Light. Yeah, I have him like 26 overall, so. All right, another receiver we didn't talk about yesterday is uh, one who's now being selected of Jane Reed, the 79th overall selection. One of our favorite players to watch, the 12th wide receiver selected in the draft, Josh Downs. It wasn't a surprise that he fell, though. And I think that's what, if you watched our video with Josh Downs, we're like, oh, we like this player. But the problem is he has such a low ceiling relative to other players because he is truly a slot-only player. Not only will he play in the slot, he's not going to be playing on the outside unless he's a complete outlier due to his size. So then it just comes to down to the landing spots. Like, okay, third rounder slot receiver. We see that all the time. These players do get on the field. Josh Downs will be an every down player, not every down, but a three wide receiver set starter for the entire contract. Is Anthony Richardson going to throw the ball to Josh Downs in the slot? That's where I get a little bit of my concern. I'm worried about overall passing volume. I know that they love Josh Downs. We like Josh Downs. I just wish it was the third round Josh Downs, but in a different offense. I'm just a little bit concerned that like the Eagles, for example, weren't really using a slot wide receiver like this. And I think that's kind of the direction I'm going with the Colts offense. And even the, the if the Colts become the Eagles, that would be an absolute success. I'm just a little bit worried about the, the offense and the fit for Josh Downs, though I do really like him. He will be on the field. Here's Chris Ballard on selecting Josh Downs. That was a bonus. We didn't um, really didn't expect him to be there. We actually tried to move up for about 30 minutes to try. You look like Chris Ballard. Up. Um, but really excited about him. Actually, Chad Henry and Morocco had – you know, glow, spoke glowingly about not only the talent, but the character of the young man. Um, but he's a he's a really good fit, gives us a need, gives us an inside. I th- we think he can play inside and outside. Um, but he's fast and smart and great with the ball after, you know, great after the catch. Um, really high character. Probably one of the best phone calls I think I've had since I've been here, making a call. Emotional, excited. Um, you can tell he's got a little chip on him. All right, throw that outside wide receiver comment away. Uh, I think he did it at the beginning of last year against like Florida A&M, and that was fun. But then he's going to make his home with like the spatial awareness that he has yeah. in the slot. Uh, there's a much longer clip that I've tweeted out if you guys want to check it out on my account uh, where the Northeast Area Scout says the offense that Coach State the offense that Coach Steichen is bringing in, he's a perfect fit. He's exactly what we needed. Reggie Wayne pounded the table for this guy. He said he was the best wide receiver of his group. We've talked about it in his profile that he caught like 13 of 18 contested targets. And then I ask, like, okay, we know that Michael Pittman is the best wide receiver on this team. Alec Pierce is a much better fit with Anthony Richardson than he was with the no-armed quarterbacks that they had on the roster last year. And then if you just, like, try to track of who they have brought in to try to fill that third wide receiver spot, it was Isaiah McKenzie in yeah. free agency. And like, what is the Josh Downs comparable? It's right. maybe a more consistent version of Isaiah McKenzie. So maybe this is the archetype, the prototype that they want in that slot. Uh, I think it's 100% exactly what they want. I, I'm not disagreeing with Chris Ballard. Like, he is exactly what this wide receiver group needs because Alec Pierce is going to be a low-volume deep threat. Michael Pittman can kind of do a little bit of everything, not great at anything, but pretty good at a bunch of things. And Josh Downs, they did not have a slot receiver. Isaiah McKenzie, I think, is best in the wide receiver four gadget role, special teams, all that stuff. Josh Downs, I think, is going to be a really good slot wide receiver in this league. To me, it just c- comes back to volume, and it's going to be right. hard for him to break out of this volume because Anthony Richardson is going to play slow, run the ball himself, 
going to throw the ball downfield, not as much checkdowns, and Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman most likely are going to be here long-term. But I'm not surprised at all that Chris Ballard really likes him. You and I both liked him. I listened to his interviews, nose balls, all that stuff plays bigger than his size. And I think Reggie Wayne oh, yeah. kept saying that as well. But at the same time, like this could be in like five, six targets a game, and it's like an eight out of like seven. And it's like, okay, there's a, there's a lot of them. There is a lot of them. And I think each year dating back to like six years ago with Jamison Crowder with his last year with Washington, you know, even last year's hype and early this offseason with Wandale Robinson, like people kind of fall in love with these explosive slot types. And there's just a ceiling cap for them. Now, do I think Josh Downs is a really good slot player? Yes. Hell yeah. 100%. But can he like transcend the position and like move the needle for you? No. Like, no. Again, I think pre-draft, people were probably going to take Josh Downs over, let's say, Jonathan Mingo. And to me, there is no conversation to have anymore that Jonathan Mingo should be going earlier in your rookie drafts than Josh Downs. How I'm viewing dynasty rankings is like I'm basically putting a line at like wide receiver 36, running back 24, tight end 12. If you can't get above that, then what exactly are you doing here? Like I think Josh Downs has a decent chance to be drafted as the wide receiver 49. But is the wide receiver 49 like really moving the needle? And if that's like probably where his ceiling is, then I'm gonna sadly gonna be a lot be out. And like the slot receivers that like do break out, like Amon Ross St. Brown, for example, um, that is like no competition, offense running fast, in pocket quarterback that loves to check down. Like you have to hit all of those things, and Josh Downs doesn't have it. I wish Josh Downs win the third round to another team, and you and I would be talking about him. He would be going ahead of all of this entire tier. One more. Hendon Hooker. Um, your guy, Hendon Hooker. Fell all the way to round three mm-hmm. um, to the Detroit Lions. Now, what we talked about was the Lions are in this ambiguous area a little bit with Jared Goff. He has no guaranteed money really left on his deal. And basically no other quarterback that is a long-term starter for a team is in that situation. Now, that might change now that they're out of the draft. But third round, draft capital for Hendon Hooker in a spot where, again, the quarterback is, isn't currently locked in for a very long time. Your thoughts. So it was sad to see him fall in the draft. Also not a surprise. He had a very wide range of outcomes with this. I will say he got bailed out because he's going to the Lions. Like you said, the Jared Goff contract situation is at least up in the air. So it sounds like he's not going to play this upcoming season. He tore his ACL in November. So I still think there's a chance that he would be out there, but it seems like they're going to view him as somebody that can come in and be the quarterback to next year. Unless Jared Goff, the, they get rug pulled with him. We go back to the old Jared Goff. Then Potentially Hendon Hooker's there. And at least we know this offense is going to be pretty fun long-term. They have a lot of young pieces, young offensive line. We like the play caller there. And even if Ben Johnson leaves, I think that Dan Campbell can recruit somebody. But at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be, I think, a while for him. He still is ranked ahead of Will Levis in my model because he was so damn productive. And like second round, third round draft capital at quarterback is like, I would say more or less the same. Like you either are the guy or you're not. And I would say that Will Levis and Hendon Hooker are most likely not the guy. Um, so I have him as like my 31st overall player. If you need a long-term bench option, I think that's fine. This 45 seconds from Dan Campbell isn't going to make you feel uh, warm and fuzzies about Hinton Hooker's future with the Lions. I like the fact that he was older. We all kind of like the fact that he's older. I think you want your quarterback to be a little bit more mature. They got a lot on their plate. So, um, but to that point, to be able to get him where we did, you know, we, we traded back twice and we were still able to acquire him. Um, we felt like that was everything played out just the right way for us. Uh, we were excited. And, and to your point, yes, golf, golf is, is going to handle it well. I mean, he knew Brad had called him and, and uh, he's, he's great. Um, 
and he'll help this guy just learn and grow. And, and really, this is a red shirt year for him. He's got to get yeah. this leg right first and then and then he'll learn. Uh, he'll learn under Jared, you know, and then he, let's see what happens. You know, if he can eventually become your two or maybe down the road later on, it's more than that. But that's it's going to be a long time. All right. That was Dan Campbell and Chris Long's podcast. So red shirt year traded down twice when typically when teams like a quarterback, they kind of trade up for them. Typical. Um, it's going to be a long time was the ending note. Yeah, I think if Jared Goff plays well this season, and maybe this happens even before it, he just gets a new contract, point blank, period. So yeah. it, it, I do like Hinden Hooker for an intriguing prospect who had much more mobility than I expected when watching him, especially in a straight line. But man, the older stuff I do not get. Like, why do you want him to be older? Uh, I think that is a very Dan Campbell like quote to say, especially by transitioning, out there. <laughs> transitioning from the offense that he is uh, yeah. he is coming out of. So it's, yeah. it's it's I think it's an even worse situation, and I didn't think we were going to get here after or before listening to Dan Campbell than like what Desmond Ritter entered last season. Yeah, I would say it's it's fairly similar, um, except. I mean, I would Ritter say Marcus Mariota as a starter was more ambiguous than, than Jared Goff is with the Lions. A hundred percent. I will say that the, the Falcons passing offense, we were always concerned about. If Henry Hooker's a starter, I think there's like a path where he can like do Jared Goff things. So that's where like I'm still like a little bit optimistic of the landing spots in round three. Like there is a needle that could be threaded here. True. The fact that he actually has to thread that needle now is actually a little sad. What will probably have to happen is golf gets injured for him to get an opportunity and he just nails that opportunity. And I'll also go down saying that I don't think any team other than I don't think any team in the NFL likes Jared golf more than the lions is the best way of saying it. And I think even if he plays fine this year, which I think should be the expectation, I don't think the lions are going to hand him a monster contract. We're seeing like all these like Jimmy G contracts, like one year and out. So maybe if he plays well, instead of getting non-guaranteed money, they give him like a, a one-year, two-year, like kind of funny money deal. And then we're back to where we are with Hendon Hooker. I think Hooker will be the long-term backup here. Is there a chance that Jared Goff sucks enough where, or gets injured where he can slide in? Maybe so. All right. Ten minutes. Let's go through some flyers, some favorite long shots. Some might mm-hmm. call them sleepers for people's dynasty rookie drafts out there in rounds four, round five. Hit me with your first name. I'm going to go Dwayne McBride. I was just on the clock and it was Zach Evans, Chase Brown, Dwayne McBride. And I actually picked Dwayne McBride ahead of those guys. He was my guy pre-draft. Uh, Diane Rossini just reported that it sounds like Dalvin Cook is going to be cut or traded this offseason. They have Alexander Madison on a two-year, $7 million contract. I think Dwayne McBride's basically Alexander Madison. Uh, I, oh. think Mad- I think Madison catches the ball better than Dwayne McBride. But I think early down, like he's just going to be like, all right, we have a decent offense this year. If something happens, Alexander Madison, I think that Dwayne McBride could get in there. He slid in the draft. I think possibly a little bit of fumble issues, possibly a little uh, leg injury, and then he just didn't catch that many passes. But he at least goes to a functional offense. You and I both like Kevin O'Connell, and it sounds like Dalvin Cook's going to be gone. We finally got here, though, with our Alexander Madison love. I know that this is a dynasty show we're talking about, but even right now on Underdog Fantasy, the home of best ball, Alexander Madison is being drafted as the running back 32. Um, I think Dalvin's playing for someone else. And it wasn't just from this. It was from previous conversations that Quazy's been been having. And so after that, what do the Vikings have? Because I think then people might 
think of it as an ambiguous backfield, even though I believe that Madison would be clearly the number one running back. Correct. Well, a couple of years ago, they took a late round flyer on Kene and Wong. Well, not even late round. It was like a fourth runner for his athletic upside kick return ability. And he's one of the best kick returners in the league. Last year, they took like a sixth rounder, I think, or a fifth in Ty Chandler, who was an older prospect coming out of UNC. Um, but he's explosive. He's a good athlete. And then this year, like you said, it's Dwayne McBride, who I thought if he went through the draft process, would have tested very athletic. However, he has more fumbles than he does receptions during his UAB career. And he's like a one-trick pony, a one-note kind of guy in a league that really doesn't enjoy that. So could I also see Dwayne McBride having an awesome preseason and like torching second stringers, third stringers late in games? Yes. And maybe that is Mike Boone-esque for him. And he earns an opportunity from that. Um, but right now the skill set is like quite limited for Dwayne McBride, even though I I am a fan of like what he potentially could be. I do even wonder if Dalvin is gone by the start of the preseason, if there's even enough for him to overcome. Because I think the team it obviously isn't getting rid of Kenne. And then I think they also like Ty Chandler on this roster too. I think McBride's just way better than Ty Chandler, so I'll take my chances there. I think Kenny's going to be the running back three. That's what he's going to be for his entire career. He can mix in for like four snaps and passing situations. He's just going to be a special teamer, and that's totally fine. I think McBride is going to challenge Chandler and win that RB2 job behind Alexander Madison. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Okay, why don't we take like this little section and talk through some ambiguous backfields here? How about the Los Angeles Rams, who it is impossible to try to predict how Sean McVay is going to utilize his running back room. We saw it last year. Well, even the year before that, um, coming back from Achilles in like a handful of months, Cam Akers was then given a massive workload in the playoffs. And then by the time we got to week one, Sean McVay wanted to banish him to the doghouse and give the ball to Daryl Henderson and Kyron Williams. Then Daryl Henderson gets hurt. Kyron Williams gets hurt in week one. And then by the end of last year, K-Makers is once again giving us like 12 plus fantasy point weeks, week in and week out. Um, they draft Zach Evans now in the sixth round, a little slight trade up from their seventh round selection up about like 37 spots. Give up a six rounder next year. Anyways, here is what Sean McVay said about adding another running back to their backfield. 
I, I, th I think when you talk about Zach, you know, a little bit different because a player of his caliber, you know, in the, you know, in the latter parts of the draft and you're saying, okay, because of the draft capital that we had, where I, I believe we still had four picks remaining at that point. You're saying, all right, you're just going to have three now instead of four. It made a lot of sense. And, you know, I think he does a, I think he has a nice skill set that complements Cam, complements Kyron Williams. You know, Ronnie Rivers is a guy that got a little bit of action as well. And so I think you're always still looking at, you know, complementary skill sets, whether that's in a receiver, tight end, running back room. And, and that was kind of the appealing thing about Zach. And you look at it, I, I thought he did a great job at Ole Miss, but even some of the stuff going back to TCU where he's taking more handoffs out of the pistol, you could really see he's a, he's a smooth runner. He's got a seamless ability to be able to work edges on people, and um, we felt like it was a, a good fit just based on, you know, looking at uh, everybody that was possibly available, and, and, you know, that was one of those spots, and, you know, credit to their group for being able to kind of identify that because it was a little bit later in the process that I got exposure to him. May the best man win? Yeah, I, I think so. Cam Akers is in the last uh, year of his rookie contract and he's been up and down. I will say Cam Akers went off at the last part of the season with Crazy. nobody around him. That was, that was absurd, but I do think that he's going to be able to get in there and compete. And I think what Sean McVay said there, the most important part is for somebody of his talent, it was a surprise that he's going to be there. He is a five-star looking dude. Cause he was, and he, when he's moving that smoothness and that burst and, and like that, like build that he has, really does look NFL starter level like he just never was able to figure it out. I think that there's some contextual things going on with that. And that's probably why he fell in the draft, but the talent I think is there and he kind of actually uh, cam makers kind of has a very similar style to him. So I think that he's got a chance to get in there. compete. I love him actually in redraft and best ball mania for like mm. the last round pick somewhere like that. Cause uh, I think that this, we are more or less kind of coin flipping at this point. He's a different type of player to Kyron Williams in that Kyron was a pass pro, passing down, bad athlete, yes. but seemingly beloved by Sean McVay and his coaching staff last year. And I wonder if some of that carries over into this year. Zach Evans is a really fluid, smooth, zone-style runner mm -hmm. who maybe can maximize what he did in the preseason. Yeah, I don't know, man. I also think even with Cam Akers being extremely productive towards the end of last year, this offense is even going to be better this year. Mm -hmm. Like it should be if, if health wins out for Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup, lots of big time fans out there for Zach Evans, but like pick two fifteen overall, maybe that was in part of what you said, where there are some other extracurricular ex circumstances that played into it, but we love to target ambiguous backfields late. A la Isaiah Pacheco last year, and maybe Zach Evans is one of the versions of a couple more names we can talk about now, too. Yeah, I think Kyron's the third down back, and then it'll start Cam Akers on early downs, and then Zach Evans will be his direct backup. And maybe Zach Evans shines and he's enough to hold on to the shop. Um, another running back, real quick, Chase Brown. Yep. Um, great landing spot. I didn't really necessarily love anything about Chase Brown. He's very athletic, I'll give him that, but. Nothing really stood out to me on tape. That's why he's a little bit older coming out. He didn't get amazing draft capital, but the Bengals situation right now is really bad. Joe Mixon probably is going to remain on the team. I think it's point. locked in that Joe Mixon is on the team. So now. Do like, I. I think we've gotten to the point of the calendar where no that dialogue now should shift. I still see it like mentioned in people's articles and videos that who knows, maybe Chase Brown or whoever else is going right. to be the lead running back. The Bengals do not want to get worse at this point of Correct. the season of the calendar. And so if a Joe Mixon move was going to be made, it already would have been made in my opinion. And like compared to Dalvin cook, they, the 
Vikings signed Alexander Madison, a proven NFL caliber running back. Chase Brown, we're, we're kind of flipping things. And then there also the, the Travion Williams stuff. I somewhat believe that because, first of all, I, I really like Travion Williams way back. Clearly, I was wrong. He hasn't done anything in the NFL. But the fact that they resigned him, he's not on his rookie contract. They brought him back for another year. And Samaj P. Ryan is, is well-liked by the NFL. So it's like, if you're the RB3 and you couldn't beat out Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, I don't think that's as bad as people think. So I think Travion Williams will be the running back too. And Chase Brown will be competing for inactive because I think that Chris Evans is going to be out there because special teams. For the people that don't know what you're talking about, here is head coach Zach Taylor talking about the backfield situation. Picks out. You know, I'm not going to say anything set in stone. Um, again, I, I I like Joe Mixon as our starting running back. And uh, we get him the ball a lot of different ways. Just because, you know, Samaje played more on third down than he did um, didn't mean that his production really wavered. You know, we're still going to throw him the football and hand him the football. And and now you get a chance to see where, where these three other guys, now they're going to get more opportunities. You know, Travion, we re-signed him for a reason. Um, you know, I feel like he's improved every single year that he's been here, all four years. And that's why we brought him back uh, for an opportunity for, for more growth now that Samaje's gone. And Chris Evans, you know, going into another year for him, he's got to continue to improve and then you add chase um who's been a really productive college back that we really liked and so we'll just we'll see how it all shakes out from a playing time from a role standpoint but uh, i think we got a good mixture of, of guys in there i think there's a lot to dive into there one i understand why people do like chase brown average 27 carries a game 1600 rushing yards 10 touchdowns 443 speed fantastic athlete along with his brother who was like a second round pick at uh at safety has some receiving chops as well but man, it wasn't just that quote that I pulled. There were others from Zach Taylor and uh, Brian Callahan talking about every opportunity we've given to Travion Williams. He's shown us that we should be giving him more opportunities. He was just stuck behind Samaje P. Ryan Good and Joe Mixon. And Samaje P. Ryan is going to be the starter for the Denver Broncos to open this season and left mm-hmm. because he was guaranteed that role. They basically said that in these post-draft press conferences. So, while a lot of people can point to, well, this is Travion Williams' fifth season, and why should we believe what these you know GMs and coaches are saying? All I'm saying is right now, Joe Mixon is being drafted in best ball at running back 21, Chase Brown running back 52, Chris Evans running back 87, and then finally in these last 48 hours, Travion Williams is now the running back 80 when he was like the running back 100. The gap from Chase Brown at running back 52 to a running back still 80 between him and Travion Williams should not be that large. And in fact, Travion should be drafted ahead, I think. Yeah, the fact that they brought him back is a... That's that's something to me. And also, he's averaged over five yards per carry in the NFL. That's only on like 50 carries. But just as a reminder, guys, Travion, SEC, early declare, junior, touched the ball 300 times and averaged 6.5 yards per carry back. Like he was a bell cow in the SEC, so there are some paths here. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm now pulling back from any of the Chase Brown stuff, and there was nothing about his tape or anything that stuck out to me, and that's why he was went where he went. And actually, I think a really important note here is a lot of the dynasty leagues that you all are in, you can draft free agents out there, and Travion is probably a free agent among all of these rookies. And so that might be something worth investing in in round four or round five, instead of chasing the, uh, I don't know, Kenny McIntosh's. Yeah, it's tough for him. (laughs) Um, Just a couple of names quickly in these ambiguous backfields. Evan Hull on the Indianapolis Colts. They have Zach Moss. They have Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson was obviously well-liked by the coaching staff last year as a true pass catcher. Who knows what Shane Sykin wants? And Evan Hull is another one of these awesome athletes that was really carrying that Northwestern team. And then Eric Gray coming out of Oklahoma for the New York Giants. 
Saquon is just on his franchise tag. Maybe they do work out a long-term deal, but I kind of lean no. Could be wrong on that. Might have egg in my face. After him, it was Matt Breida last year and another dude that they kind of ran some pony personnel looks. Like Eric Gray, if he has talent, I think should be able to supplant both of those quote-unquote veterans on the roster. Yeah, I, I just view him as insurance. Evan Hull, same thing. I will say with Hull, he had 90th percentile receiving yards per game among drafted running backs since 2005. So in theory, he's a good complement to Jonathan Taylor, but at the same time, pass, uh, pass down running backs attached to Anthony Richardson probably is not going to work out too much. I have Eric Gray one spot ahead of Evan Hull. And then another uh, one is... Israel Abandikanda. Everyone loves this dude. You and I watched this tape. We never thought that he was home run hitter. That's it. And even then, it's kind of kind of whatever. The model really liked him, but I just never got around to liking his tape all that much. Michael Carter, I don't think is going to get cut. People keep saying that, but I mean, he's under contract for two more years, cheap uh, fourth rounder. So I think that is uh, and his Israel name is totally different than Izzy's. Right. Right. I mean, and like. I mean, you cannot on. get more different of players at running back. Exactly. And then Zonovan Knight was getting some mix in there last year as well. So I, I don't think that – I think Izzy's going too high. Final note, Chris Rodriguez uh, out of Kentucky to the Commanders. Uh, Ron Rivera came out and said they had a third-round grade on him. Come on. Uh, but he was drafted in round six. So That's take insane. that for what you want. Insane. I have a couple more slot receivers. Yeah, me too. Let's go through the receivers. I want to talk about Tank Dell, who was the ninth wide receiver – uh, selected, obviously, by the Houston Texans, the 69th overall pick, third round. Um, where my brain instantly jumped with taking C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick, is how much he loved mill the field targets to his right. slot wide receiver. Now, I'm not here to compare Jackson Smith and Jigba to Nathaniel Tank Dell. Uh, one, size is drastically different. Ceilings drastically different. Just their games are quite different. But, man, on this Texans team, talk we talk about ambiguous backfields. Ambiguous wide receiver room where it's Nico Collins and Robert Woods maybe is your most proven players. And both of them arguably are ones in the downturn and one we're still waiting for him to kind of peel his face off the floor uh, mm-hmm. in terms of face planting. But then like in the slot, John Mechie, obviously with a top two or three round pick last year, yeah. this is his entire rookie season. And then Tank Dell brought in this competition. That's my one concern is John Mechie might be a long-term slot option. And then at that point, what are you doing with Tank Dell? Um, I think they're going to go out there and compete. I'm not sure what we should expect from Mechie. I hope that he's out there. Um, really like the dude pulling for him. But yeah, Tank Dell is one of these guys. And in half PPR, I just don't know how he's going to get there. I want to find a wide receiver to attach to CJ Stroud long-term. Right now, I'm just drafting Nico Collins. It's just one of these guys, 5'8", 165. Like, and and he, he he ran a four five forty. Like he's not like the super Isaiah McKenzie up guy. I know some people like this tape, but just like I see these guys all the time. Nick Casario, who is awful in these yeah. post draft pressers, brought up names like Danny Woodhead, Kevin Falk, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola as guys who like break the mold and maybe Tank Dell's the next one of those. Um, Tank Dell also told the story to local beat writers that um CJ Stroud called in the pick and wanted mm-hmm. to make him the selection in round three. Take that for what you want. Final point. I wouldn't be shocked if we get some veteran Robert Woods kind of back to where he was with the Rams as almost like a slot ish player, like end yes. of the line of scrimmage Block. moved around a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Blocker style. And that would then take, I think opportunities away from tank Delta. And this is Shanahan tree. Like they're not slot receivers. Like Casario might think that like the Casario tree in this Shanahan tree are like completely different. different. So like, we don't see this type of guy. Uh, 
Charlie Jones, I find interesting. Nothing about Charlie Jones Bengals. is going like to really pop out. He's 24 years old, slot only player, definitely undersized. But the difference with him is he would get some downfield looks. Like he's kind of like a vertical slot option. He's going to be the fourth wide receiver. He had 90th percentile PPR points per game at Purdue last year. Um, Tyler Boyd's in the contract year. Yep. And they don't have that much money because yep. Burrow's getting a bag. T. Higgins, I think, I think T. Higgins is going to get a bag from the Bengals. And same thing with Jamar Chase. Charlie Jones, I think we're going to look out there and be like, hey, he's a starting slot wide receiver here. And of the trees and of the systems, a third wide receiver, you can actually have some fantasy appeal attached to Joe Burrow. So like all of these other slot receivers that I'm talking about that I've been fading, Charlie Jones is the one I actually like because Tyler Boyd's been able to do it. Um, and I think that Charlie Jones has a, at least a decent chance to be sliding into three wide receiver sets next year. And I think that Joe Burrow will always be a three wide receiver set quarterback. That's where he's best at. So I think they're always going to have uh, one of these types on the field. Yeah. Tyler Boyd will not be earning $10.3 million in 2024 on the Cincinnati Bengals. Like no. they just can't do that. This is going towards, like you said, with the Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase future deals, that their third wide receiver is going to have to be on a rookie contract or right. a veteran veteran minimum contract. Like that's just how team building works. And so while Charlie Jones is an older prospect, but did transfer, I think he transferred twice, actually. Weird background. Like yeah. At Buffalo, then Iowa, and then now at Purdue. His last season at Purdue was unbelievable. Now you can say it's maybe because what he was 24 years old and going up against 19 and 20 year olds. But now college football is a bit grayer when it comes to age, I think, because and of where we were. COVID. And yes, that's what I mean by COVID. Um, they already said he's like their fourth wide receiver because he can play all three positions. That's music to our ears, you know, yeah. and yeah. I'm looking at a five round ADP chart right now. He is the last pick on here. Like Give receivers me. that were going way later in. Um, I'm trying to find them now. Xavier Hutchinson, Puka Nakua, Trey Tucker, Parker Washington, Rakeem Jarrett are all no being chance. drafted ahead of Charlie Jones right now. A.T. Perry all ahead. Yeah, no chance. Yeah. He, he went earlier than than expected. Tyler Scott went a little bit later. He's the Bears kind of version of Charlie Jones, who's probably going to be the number four. I think eventually has the skill set to be the number three. But the difference is Joe Burrow passing numbers versus Justin Fields passing numbers. So I really like Tyler Scott. I thought his tape was actually good. He has speed and he's a young player and he's in development. But it was just a tough landing spot for him long term. The Bears put their area scouts out there and they analyze a singular play for these guys. And for Tyler Scott, just the buzzwords were vertical player, big plays, and that's yep. it. And so I don't know if he can necessarily be more than that, you know, um, and maybe that's how they view him, which isn't a bad thing. Like splash plays are good. Yeah. They're just kind of irregular at times. Darnell Mooney's in the last year of his contract. I really? think Tyler Already? Scott. Wow. I think Tyler Scott can do a lot of the same things that Darnell Mooney did. Similar draft capital. Well, so I think that's, in his contract here too. Like yeah, one for one replacement for, he can be like Darnell Mooney ish later on. Uh, I really don't have anyone else. I mean, Michael Wilson's, I think, one of these guys who is not going to do anything this year in the Arizona Cardinals because of situation, at least right now, DeAndre Hopkins plus Marquise Brown is on the mm -hmm. roster. But maybe he is someone – because he went – among all these other names that we heard about and A.T. Perry and Andre Iosifus and all that stuff, like Michael Wilson went a lot earlier than that, and that yep. just stand out with me of a team, a new regime, new mm -hmm. decision makers at all levels – this is really their first investment at the wide receiver spot. I, I completely agree. The one problem is they have about four trillion draft picks next year. And True. <laughs> so like he's gonna get buried again. Um what I mean, Darnell Washington is it's basically over, right? Like 
he fell way further down. We already had some blocking concerns with Darnell Washington. And like mo- most importantly, in my opinion, Pat Fryermuth, I think is an actual dude in the league. I just don't see Darnell Washington like being a thing. I, I have him one spot ahead of Brenton Strange, who's also a blocker type, but the difference right. is he went earlier and is attached to Trevor Lawrence long-term. That, I think the Darnell Washington segment is the Steelers wanting to improve their offensive line so much this season, this offseason, and like he can be a clear insert tight end immediately in this spot where you typically can't do that. Who was who was the tight end that turned into an offensive tackle? Was it like Jason Peters or there, there were a lot of them? Yeah, Jason Peters was one. There's there's a few others. Um, there you go, Darnell. Do it. I will say there have been previous years where people kind of overlook and not even super flex and and tight end premium situations, but just in general, I gravitate towards like just athletic tight ends that no one is even thinking of in like the final round of your rookie picks. Coons. Um, Chigo Quanquo was one of those last year. Um, before that, Dawson Knox, who had zero production. So, like, Zach Koontz is one of those names. He was a seventh-round pick, but with the right. New York Jets, he's a bit older. Will Mallory, I think, is a name to think mm-hmm. of with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they already have a crowded room with Jelani Woods, but, man, they really, really liked him as a player. And then the second Packers guy in Tucker Craft is, is uh, athletic, yep. but – he 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 and Luke Musgrave have different games, and I'm gonna be highly intrigued to see how they utilize both to their strengths. I think. What 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 are they like? Musgrave more receiver, Tucker Craft kind of hand in the dirty, or what? I would say Tucker Craft is like big body barreling after the catch, and Luke Musgrave is a bit more Finesse. of a vertical yeah. seam stretcher type. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I haven't watched Craft. I've just seen Musgrave. Um, other last, uh, there's a stretch of running backs here. I just want to hit Sean mm-hmm. Tucker, Deuce Vaughn, Keaton Mitchell, Zanier Prince. You I want mean, to talk are, about these guys? No, I mean, people are drafting them high. There are Deuce Vaughn fans out there. These players either went undrafted or don't have NFL size. Like what's Deuce Vaughn going to actually do? I would rather have like Malik Davis long term. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. It's a rough one out there. Okay. I think that's it. Yep. Did we do it? No Kayshawn Boutte who's being drafted at the 306 right now. He's my drum pick. He's my 48th overall player. My last two players are top 50. Stetson Bennett, just because Stafford's old and they had an egregious grade on Stetson Bennett. And he can move around and sling the ball like he's gonna be their backup quarterback. And he steps in immediately for John Wolford to be that backup quarterback. Oh, honey, he's a better version of Wolford. Uh, and then Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's stuck behind Deshaun Watson, but this dude kept me up at night every single time USC and UCLA. It seemed like they played each other a million times. DTR. He at least has some rushing ability and he's attached to, I think an offense that's going to put up numbers. All right, go back, watch the top 24 rankings for your rookie drafts. I'm sure you already have. If you want more in-depth stuff on so many of these rookie prospects, we have like seven to 12 minute videos on 26 of them. Go and watch those as well and go play and draft in best ball. Go draft Travion Williams. You know, underdog is the home of best ball. Right now we have a puppy tournament. That's five bucks. We also have the biggest fantasy tournament of all time where it's $3 million the first place and a bunch of regular season prizes as well. The link is in the description down below. We will match your first deposit up to $100 if you use that link. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Talk to you next time. See ya. 